What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Chevalier Mortgage. Virginia and Mike Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They are one of our family members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do so. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investment investments, and your tax situation. Mike of Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And make sure to talk to them about refinancing as well. They look at your entire picture and will help you find the best option as well. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com for a chance to win free DNVR shirt or hat. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Michael Chevalier, MLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach, Mace, Arcade, and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're still waiting for. Bring on Jay. Out on the field, a mile high. Broncos win, it's our time. Couple with a crew and a friend, lead on Jim Blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDN, we are, we are DDN, we are. Ah, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this wonderful Wednesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason, and our super producer, Kale back there. Thanks for all all of you guys rolling with us today. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor who also rolls with us, MSU Denver Online. Guys, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. We have a couple people at, at DNVR taking classes over at MSU Denver Online, and they say that there's two awesome things about it that they do that's unique uh, to the college process. One, they bring the real class, the real world into the classroom. They teach you what you need to know after you graduate so that you're ready to hit the ground running in those interviews and once you start a job. And the second thing is it's affordable and it's designed for you uh, and designed for a working person or just someone that wants to go full-time online school, they've got that as well. So head to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Hey, how are you, man? Good to see you. A beautiful Wednesday morning. It's warming up. The snow is melting away in advance of what looks like a beautiful game weekend here in Colorado. Not too bad. Not too bad, Mace. This is this is going to be your version 
of uh, ideal football weather coming up this weekend. We had the snow last week, which I call football weather. We got the 60s and sun this week for this game. You're insane, uh, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's the the snow globe is is cool to look at when you're on television. But as far as experiencing football and maybe it's just what you grow up with. But I, I was telling my wife this over the weekend. The, the best football weather, it's like what you see in, you know, North Carolina or Virginia in, in you get to November, a, a crisp 59, 60 degree type of day, a day where you've got you've got to put on your sweater, but you're still comfortable. The sun is out. You've got the, 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 the last of the leaves falling off the trees. That's football weather. What happened last week? That's that's skiing weather. That's not football weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you pretty much dialed up what the weather is going to be for Sunday. 59 degrees, little crisp in the air. Maybe some leaves still falling, although I think my uh, ski weather just totally ruined that. But Mace, mm. I think this game this weekend is huge. Not just for Drew Locke and Justin Herbert and everything that surrounds that, which is so much fun, and we're going to get into the rest of the week. But... Just two days after the Broncos play the Chargers this Sunday is not only Election Day, which makes sure to go out and vote, but it's also the trade deadline. And we've seen John Elway make some deals the past couple of years on the trade deadline itself. Trade deadline is Tuesday, November 3rd, also Election Day. Go out and vote again. And Mace, I have a question for you. Are the Broncos buyers or sellers at this trade deadline? To be determined, and I think it's entirely to, to be determined by Sunday's game. I mean, if you're if you're three and four and staring at games with the Falcons, Raiders, Dolphins right after that, games that uh, uh, you should have a chance to win, then you're standing pat, maybe even buying. Although I don't think we'll see quite as many buyers as usual because one thing that's sort of in play here is in the COVID year with players having to wait before they can report and have to go through the battery of, of tests before they can actually suit up. You're losing a week that you would ordinarily have a player. Right. I mean, we're seeing, for example, the Everson Griffin trade to the lions yesterday. And uh, you know, people are like the lions, uh, are they buyers? The lions, you can scratch your head about this. The lions are three and three and have, one pretty impressive win in their back pocket, beating Arizona on the road earlier this year. So you can kind of rationalize why the Lions see themselves as buyers rather than rather than sellers. So that that I think may affect the market a little bit, but I don't think I don't think you should be selling if you win. I mean, I, I think it, it comes down to that. Now, if if you lose, all bets are off. And one thing that we talked about is that. If you don't have that player in your plans for for a year from now or two years from now, even you should consider selling if the offer is right. And I mean, that's where it comes down to, for example, if you've decided if if you're the Broncos and you've decided that you're not re-signing Justin Simmons, then you have to entertain offers. But if you're planning on bringing Justin Simmons back, then you you don't trade him. And the other thing, of course, is the offer for a Justin Simmons would have to exceed what you get on the compensatory market if he walks away, which means it would have to be more that it would have to be at least a third round pick because you're getting that pick at the end of the third round. All these things, all these things are in play, Zach. But uh, I mean, it's it's a lame answer, but 
I think it's all about this game. I well, really do. I think it's all about this game as well, Mace. But so will they, is there a chance that they are buyers? Because I have a pretty straightforward answer to that. Uh, it would have to be an absolute steal of a buy. It would have to be uh, get, getting a starter for like a six round pick. Yeah. And, and what position are we talking? Oh, boy. I mean, defensive line, maybe Mike Purcell out. That's one. That's actually one that that pops in mind right now. D- d- nose tackle, uh, maybe cover, maybe sub package coverage linebacker. Um, I don't. Maybe offensive. Ta- maybe offensive tackle. If you're not confident in Demar Dotson, um, wide receiver. I think they'll stand pat. Running back. I think they'll stand pat quarterback that's obvious i think if the broncos are buyers mace there's really only one position that would make sense and that i could see them doing and that is defensive line because of how decimated they've been with injuries now they are getting guys like demarcus or or draymond jones and demarcus walker back but you just lost your big guy and you don't really have a replacement for him however saying that i don't see the broncos being buyers i don't see that happening i think this game is huge to determine how big of sellers the Broncos are at the trade deadline. If the Broncos win and they're three and four, I still think there's a chance that they could make a move, Mace. I think if the Broncos win and they're three and four, they'll be three and one in their last four games. And so I think it it would be difficult to sell at that point. But I think the Broncos will listen to offers because unless you're a great team, you're listening to offers. And below 500, John Elway knows where this team is at. He would listen to offers. However, If you lose, then you make it known that not just a Justin Simmons, not just one or two guys are available, but you make it known that a lot of guys are available. And Mace, I think with this team right now, and you kind of went through the guidelines of who who would be available, I think there's a lot of people that would be available on this Broncos team. Yeah, but one of them, and I know he's been discussed in some spheres, one of them who I don't think would be available is Garrett Bowles. No, yeah, I, I don't think so either. And the reason is, if they can't come to an accord on a contract, and certainly Garrett Bowles, if you're if you're Bowles and his agent right now, you're looking at the PFF rankings of tackles, and his name is atop the list, the highest graded tackle in the NFL. And I know that you can debate whether the PFF grades are are valid or not from here until Sunday. But when you've got a number like that, that is something that in any contract back and forth, they're going to bring up. And that's the sort of thing that will tell Garrett Bowles and his representation that you can get the Brinks truck backed up to your garage at some point here. Maybe it's maybe it's going to be from the Broncos. Maybe it's on the market from somebody else. But the fact that the Broncos had the franchise tag and the ability to use it in their back pocket, it's not ideal. In retrospect, they probably erred in not picking up that fifth year option. But you can't, you know, you, you can't unscramble eggs at this point, right? You've got to just go on, go on with it. It would not surprise me if Garrett Bowles is playing next year on the franchise tag if they can't come to a deal at some point. But the fact that you are talking about Garrett Bowles. Being in your plans for next year, I would say no matter what happens with contract negotiations means that he's off the market. He's somebody you're keeping. Yeah, Mace, I don't think they're trading him as well, but the counterpoint 
could be, well, what if you're not sold on Garrett Bowles and his value is as high as it's ever going to be right now? Some Someone could view him as a franchise left tackle. What would be an offer or is there an offer that you just wouldn't be able to refuse if someone were to come after you for, for Garrett? A one. First round pick for Garrett Bowles and you do it? You'd think long and hard about it because it's a good tackle draft this year and you'd say, okay, well, there, we'll just turn around and we'll use that one on another left tackle. And I think that's, I, I agree. You're not dumping Garrett Bowles by any means at, the, by this, at this trade deadline. But if a team blows you away, and I think being blown away would be a one, I think you do it. And, and just like you said, because it's a good tackle draft, you could replace him and probably get a, a player that you feel even more comfortable with. But here's the other thing to consider in that. Are you still trying to get a fair evaluation on Drew Locke? Yeah, of course. All right. Um, is that evaluation really fair if you take the stro- what is the strongest position on y- in your starting lineup right now? Left tackle. I would say Garrett Bowles is the best player on the Broncos offense today at this moment. Yep. This season. Which is wild. Wild. Hey, give him credit because mm-hmm. we were we were doubters. A lot of a lot of people doubted him, but well, he wasn't. I mean, we we were doubters play. because he wasn't playing well. Right. Exactly. He turned it around. So yeah. props to him. Yeah, good good for him. Everybody has had the same questions about Garrett Bowles, and the Broncos had those questions because they didn't pick up the fifth year option. Yeah. So I don't think we're <laughs> we're certainly not saying anything that they weren't no. thinking inside that building. No, absolutely not. But if you trade Garrett Bowles, the problem is who's your left tackle? Well, is it Elijah Wilkinson when he comes back from injury? Is it yikes. Calvin Anderson? Is it uh, are you are you forcing Natani Muti out there? Are you, you know, are, are you putting Jake Rogers in there? Oh, oh boy, I mean the right. possibilities are not stellar here. And I would say this: if you want to, the rest of the season, it's about Drew Locke, right? It's yep. about evaluating him. Yep. So even if you do get blown away, uh, I'm it's hard to, to justify trading Garrett Bowles if you want to get a fair look at Drew Locke. I would say this: if they if they got blown away with an offer and took it, I did say yeah, you could go ahead and pick a tackle next year. But maybe the most likely the most likely scenario is it's part of some compensation for a quarterback because trading Garrett Bowles if you got that offer, I think would be. I think it would be signing a death warrant for the prospects of Drew Locke behind uh, behind that offensive line right now. Well, just to counter that, though, Mace, you could make the argument, and the Broncos could convince themselves, that it was all Drew Locke making Garrett Bowles better. Because it's not like Garrett Bowles got better last year with Joe Flacco and then continued it when Drew Locke got in. He got better when Drew Locke got in. And he's been good, even when Drew Locke hasn't been in this year. But the Broncos could convince themselves of that, that Drew Locke is a good enough quarterback, or at least his uh his abilities work well with, with tackles and and help elevate them. Now, I agree and and I think we can move on from Garrett Bowles because Mace I I don't think that they're moving on mm. from him. They'd have to be blown away by an offer and I don't think a team is going to do that. So who are some other players that the Broncos could trade cuz I I think that they if they lose this game, I think there's a lot that could be out for out on the market. Yeah. Well, I mean and, and- these are painful possibilities because these are guys that are helping you out. Um, mentioned, mentioned Simmons, of course. You'd have to throw Kareem Jackson in that mix as well. Yep, yep exactly. And and Justin Simmons has been the one that people have been talking about. Right. But there's also another safety and pretty much the exact same boat. 
Yeah, and and his contract, uh, you get certainly he's got one more year left on this deal. Uh, by the way, that contract uh, next year, if you cut Kareem Jackson or don't restructure or otherwise let him go, uh, they'd save ten million dollars under the cap. So I mean, this is uh, unfortunately. We're going to have a lot of conversations about guys who are still on this team in the offseason, but debating what to do with their contracts because that cap is probably going to settle around $175 million because of all the lost revenue. Right. So uh, really, you start kind of going through – you go through the contracts and you go through how things shake out. I mean, for example, I don't think they – look, I don't think they would trade Cream Jackson. Okay. I don't think they'd trade A.J. Boye either, but that's another tradable contract. It, it, it is, and I, I think that Kareem would be more likely than A.J. Boye. I just think A.J. could be more in the future plans. But you're right. It is a very tradable contract. Yeah, I, I hope that's not – I mean, I, I hope they're not trading either of them. And A.J. Boye, you know, he's he has played well. He hasn't played much. He's played a game and a half, basically. But he has played really well in those games. And mm-hmm. looks like – watching A.J. Boye already, it looks to me like the scheme's a perfect fit for him. And yeah. that's what we were talking. That's what we're talking about. In fact, I would actually say this because, because you've got the secondary finally at its intended design with the top four guys and Michael Ojemudia balling out as the number three cornerback, because you have that in play, I mean, this defense has the opportunity to be really, really stinking good in the second half of the season, even without Mike Purcell at nose tackle, even with all that you've lost injury wise. I, and this is why, unless you get absolutely bombed on Sunday, like if that, if, if the secondary in its, in its full form, fully healthy, if the secondary is being beaten over the top during the, during that game, then you think about selling, but let's, if you lose to the chargers, but you lose say 20 to 17 and your and your secondary has confused Justin Herbert and given him his first bad day as a pro. Frankly, I, I I'm hesitant to trade anybody back there because that that part of the team is the reason why you might get back into this. So then, uh, is are you signing Justin Simmons? Are you making sure that Justin Simmons is a Bronco for the future? Are you I maybe would. extending Kareem Jackson to make sure that the secondary is here for a while? Because we we talk about the trade deadline, and you're not trading guys that are in your long term future. That's why we're not going to talk about Bradley Chubb. Uh, we're not going to talk about Jerry, Judy, any, any of the young guys, because they are certainly in the Broncos future plans, but you know, Justin Simmons is done after this year. Kareem Jackson has one more year. Are you signing those guys? Well, Justin Simmons, definitely Kareem Jackson. He's got another year left on his deal. I think you're letting that play out and you're seeing how he is after what would be his 12th season. Yeah. In 2021. And then you're making that call. You, you don't have to make that call today. The The call on Justin Simmons is coming, is coming a lot sooner. And, but there are going to be other things in play. I mean, our earlier discussion this week about the quarterbacks and if Drew Locke isn't the guy and their choice is to go get a veteran and try to microwave things and fix them right now. Well, Unfortunately, if you do that, if you try to if you if you go for the microwave there at quarterback, who's the most likely microwave that you, that you think this team might get? Matt Ryan? Yeah, Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford, right? 
And just with Matthew step with the Lions three and three and buying, I don't know if they're willing to move on. But yeah, those would be the two. I I think the only way the Lions move on is if there's a regime change. Yeah. And and remember, I mean, they're three and three right now. They were a either 500 or I think within a half game of it because they had that tie last year before Matthew Stafford got hurt. Yeah. So in, in Detroit, they're thinking we've they're thinking. With Matthew Stafford, we are in this. Yeah. So if if they're competitive and, and they play well down the stretch, they're not trading Matthew Stafford. Right. They're gonna they're I gonna agree. they're gonna ride with him. I think uh, his name comes up because it's occasionally floated around. And and if the Lions do fade down the back half the back in the back half of the season here, then then yeah, I think somebody he's gonna is gonna be on the market. But the point being, if you are talking about a Stafford or a Ryan. You're talking about a cap number that is going to be north of, of $20, $22 million for the quarterback position, which means that's blowing up your plan. Part of your plan for the next couple of years was being able to have Drew Locke on that. Right. Get your glasses ready, folks. Cost-controlled quarterback contract. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and so you're going from paying a quarterback a million and a half to paying him $24 million potentially. So where is that twenty three or that that twenty two and a half million dollars coming from? It's probably coming from. I hate to say it because I really like Justin Simmons. It's probably coming from letting him go or yep. making making other moves. Yep, e- exactly. And the Broncos are going to be in a cap situation just like every other team, uh, regardless of if they get a quarterback or not. And Mace, one of the guys that the Broncos won't be bringing in right now uh, and trading for is a defensive lineman. Carlos Dunlap, who was just traded from the Bengals to Seattle. So cross him off your wish list, Broncos. Yeah. He's not he's not coming here. So just greatest Simmons- the greatest trade request in the history of the NFL, by the way. Putting mentioning your d- describing your home on Twitter as being available. <laughs> yep, that is pretty <laughs> darn good. And so, Mace, what what would you trade? For or what would you trade Justin Simmons and Kareem and or Kareem Jackson for if if deals were offered? Uh, my floor on Justin Simmons would be a third round pick. Again, yeah. it's more than you would get in the compensatory right. range because that third that third is the comes at the end of the third round. And yep. and I, I think that yeah. would be a realistic trade to happen. Maybe you get a late second round pick. Um, but I, I think that's kind of the realistic ballpark. And what about Kareem? You, you'd probably be willing to take a little bit less because he's a veteran, but yeah. I would almost say this, even though you are thinking what's above that compensatory hall for Justin Simmons, I would say a third for Kareem Jackson and a sec or a second for Justin Simmons in order to make that deal. Yeah, and those would be trades that I think you have to do if you lose this game on Sunday. Those are ones that you just can't pass up. So I agree with you there. Now, moving on to someone else, another guy that I think could be a candidate to be traded would be Shelby Harris. Uh, Of course, he right now is not in the Broncos' long-term plans. He could be because because he's young enough where they can give him another deal, keep him around. You're probably going to have to pay him some money there, but right now he's not in their Broncos' plans. Yeah, and uh, trading Shelby, given all that you've lost on the defensive line so far this year, you did just get Draymond Jones back, but you've lost Mike Purcell. You've lost Jarrell Casey. Trading Shelby Harris, that's a white flag Yep. the season. Yep, I agree. 
you are at that point, you are just kind of going to try to hang on uh, and maybe and maybe McTelvin Ajim has to play a lot more. But you're trying to hang on with a lot of guys that you've brought in. I think uh, that even though we saw his frustration bubble over, over on the sideline, I don't think trading Shelby Harris would go over very well in a lot of quarters in that locker room. Yeah. And and that's a that's a potential lose the team kind of trade. I would say even Justin Simmons, Cream Jackson as well. But so but so is Shelby Harris. He's balling out. I can't blame him for being frustrated. At, at you know what? I I I like seeing the fire. I mean, it was a yeah, it was a dumb penalty there at the end of the game, and it gave the Chiefs another touchdown. And yeah, he probably and yeah, he shouldn't have been uh, getting into it with Vic Fangio. But you know what? I like seeing the fire. It's sort of like uh, the scene in Major League when Wild Thing Vaughn thinks he's going to be cut because uh, because Roger Dorn puts the fake red tag in his locker in the clubhouse, and he goes into Lou Brown's office and he overturns the chair now and vows his revenge in a very expletive filled manner. I, I like, you know what? I, I like seeing the patent and Lou Brown's like, good. I like that kind of attitude in the player. You know what? I, I like the fire that Shelby Harris had. I, I like the fact that he is not taking this sitting down that he is. He's He's got the kicking and screaming in him right now. Yeah. I, I totally, more of that. I totally agree, Mace. But one thing you can't do, you can't get those penalties. E- even though that's good, I-, I I don't agree with the penalty at all. Um, and we found out from Noah Fant yesterday that there were definitely words said from the defense to the offense in the locker yeah. room after that game. And, 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 and that, like, is, yeah, that Noah, is needed. Yeah, it's needed. Noah empathized. Noah understood those why those words were being said. He didn't appear to have a problem with it at all. He no, it, it. exactly. So, so Mace... <laughs> You, you would be very hesitant to trade Shelby. Let's say you lose on Sunday. What is a deal that you you would trade him? Or is there a deal that you would trade him? Well, if it's my team, I'm re-signing him. Okay. But I, but so I really like so Shelby. There's no, so there's no deal that would that uh, would make you trade him. It would him. have to be. It would have, I think the minimum that would get a conversation going is a third-round pick. Okay. For me. I could I could see that happening. I could see a team... Uh, trading a third round pick, a late third round pick in order to sign Shelby Harris for a couple of years. Yeah, but let's just, I, I think let's just say this. We're, we're tossing these possibilities out there. I don't think we're going to see any of them come to fruition. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. we, we, we yeah. were going to get to that at the end, see if any of these would come true. But I'm just going through the guys who I think could be candidates. And I think we've identified three guys that are legitimate candidates right now. Uh, and then on the offensive side, Mace, do you have any other defensive players? Because I think that's that's it for me, really. No, I mean, you're hoping to get Alexander Johnson and get him back long term. Yeah. Uh, in the next couple of years, get him to a deal. Josie Jewell's playing well in the role he's being asked to play. Uh, Malik Reed is providing great value. Bradley Chubb is a foundational player. I think uh, literally the only way you're talking about trading Bradley Chubb is if. Drew Locke isn't the answer, and you're trying to put together a package to move up and get a Trevor Lawrence. I yeah, mean, and you're and you're not doing that this trade deadline. No, I, I, no, that that's that, after this season. That discussion doesn't happen until January or February. So then, on the offensive side of the ball, I think there's one guy that you know would be a possible candidate, and I think that's Melvin Gordon because Broncos move on from him. Admit it, it did not work out. 
Now, the tricky thing with it is how long is Philip Lindsay out? There's a chance he could play this weekend. There's a chance he could miss a month. It's so tough with the concussion protocol, and we probably won't get any ideas for a couple of days on exactly where Phil's at there. So that would also be uh, really tough for the Broncos this season. But then you have fans that would say, no, 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 it's you know addition by subtraction there. Well, who's taking a guy who's facing a suspension? Yeah, his value would not be good. And, and no. that's something to consider. That's why I don't I, I think even if they want to trade Melvin Gordon, I don't think it's going to happen because once he once it goes through the courts and once there is a, a plea or, or a conviction for this, he's looking at a three game suspension. And so you trade if you trade for him, you'd lo- you wouldn't have him for the cut the, the following week because of COVID protocols. Uh, you might be losing him for three games down the stretch, uh, based on how based on the rate at which this thing goes through the courts. Yeah, I, I can't see Melvin Gordon being traded. I don't think the market's going to be there at all. If you did, it, it would just be to dump him. It wouldn't be to get a third or a second or a fourth round pick back. It would be something very late for a team that maybe has one good running back, but has injury concerns, and and so they want some guy to supplement him like that. But Mace on the offensive side of the ball. That's really the only guy that I can think of that that they they would trade. Is there anyone else that jumps out to you? No, I mean you want to you want to stay the course with Dalton Reisner, see where he goes. Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, he's a rookie. He's played better the last couple of games. That's the thing. You've got a lot of fir- you've got first contract guys like Cushenberry and Reisner who have a couple more years left. We already talked about Garrett Bowles and why that's uh, not something that you'd necessarily do. I think uh, someone like on the outside. Jerry Judy's a rookie. Tim Patrick is is playing well, and maybe you're looking to resign him down the line. Certainly, you're going to give him, I think, the uh, the second round tender when it comes to the RFA situation this off season. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Nick Vanette, but I don't know what the value would be there, and I'm reluctant to trade my best blocking tight end, and also. Looking at the passing game in general, Zach, when Vic Fangio talks about kind of rebuild, you know, fixing everything that's on all the players, it's on all the coaches as well. I would not be surprised if we see more, t- even more two tight end sets than we have seen in recent weeks, and see Nick Vanette staying home to block more often, and maybe we see some three tight end sets where Vanette stays home, and you've got Okwebunam and Noah Fant out there running routes, so. I don't think they're trading from the tight end position. So, no. and they're not trading Drew Locke. They're not. No. Gonna, they're not going to trade anyone from the quarterback position. And they better not trade Philip Lindsay. So. Yeah, they, they they won't be doing any of that as well. Yeah. A name that is coming up in the comment section is Royce Freeman. To me, he doesn't have any value. You, you would not be getting anything back, and I don't think a team would really be going crazy to get him. I mean, he's a third running back right now. And he doesn't have value. He actually has more value to you yeah. because Bill is in the concussion protocol and Melvin Gordon is facing a suspension at some point. Yep, it, exactly. So, so you need him. So Mace, you, you kind of already said it earlier, but do you think any of this happens before Tuesday? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, now, what's the most, if something were to happen, what's the most likely one in your mind? The most likely would be, would be, Probably one and one A Simmons and uh, and Shelby, Simmons and Shelby. Okay, yeah. uh, and I think it would be Simmons and Kareem 
just because when you trade one of those guys, you know you still have the other, and maybe then you try to make the other one long-term. Well, if it's Kareem that you're trading, then you really try to prioritize Justin. That's how you mm-hmm. can justify paying Justin uh, a big yeah. contract is by saying, okay, now we only have one high-paid safety. I agree with you, Mace. I don't think we see a trade happen. When DT was traded, You know, it was for a fourth-round pick. Uh, it, so not a huge trade. When you traded Emmanuel, you got a third and a fourth back. Good trade there. Um, and I just don't see getting enough value for a trade to happen this year. But it's going to be interesting if they lose this week. That is for sure. That will be the comment, or that 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 will be what we're talking about for forty eight hours. Well, we'll be talking about that, but we're also going to be talking about where Drew Locke stands compared with Justin Herbert. So, oh, I mean, we're going to be talking yeah. about a lot. Yes, yes, <laughs> there, of course. There, there's going to be a lot to consider in the 48 hours and beyond based on this game. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Drew Locke is going to reannounce his presence with authority and the Broncos are going to win and be three and four. And it's going to be all smiles and sunshine and saying, yeah, we're going down to Atlanta and uh, and we got a chance. Although Atlanta is better than its record. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and the Falcons could could only be half a game behind you by the time you play them, depending on how things work out. Mace, before we end this first segment in this live pod, I got to get your DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week. But before we do that, I got to get to a comment left earlier by Steven Hernandez. Of course, he said he gave Mace a comp, what he, looked, what he thought he looked like earlier in the week. Steven Hernandez now says that he thought I looked like actor DJ Qualls. Just from hearing my voice before seeing me, Mace, do you know who that is? DJ Qualls. Um, I don't. I've ne- never seen okay. him before. Very have, curious. Have you ever seen um, Road Trip? No, I actually have not. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't want to have a, a negative uh, description here, but he's oh boy. he's he's well, he oh no, he he's tall. He's okay. very slender. In that film, he's kind of uh, he's kind of geeky looking a little bit. Okay. Yes. Here, here, here we go. And here's some more recent pictures oh, of DJ Qualls. Okay. Like, okay. I, I, the thing is, I'm like, uh, when I saw that name, I'm like, the only thing I could think of him in was, uh, and it shows kind of how out of it I guess I am. The only thing I could think of him in was uh, was Road Trip. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thanks oh, for that one. Hey, yeah. now, now you got it. You got to get RK. I know you said you're brewing on RK as well. So maybe on Friday's live pot, we'll get an RK description there. But Mace, D, DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week. What are you going with this why don't week? Why don't you start us off? Because I'm currently looking for the line, looking for the lines right now. I was actually, you know what? Before this, I was going to give you a pick on wisconsin against nebraska uh, but there will be no wisconsin nebraska game this weekend because of a COVID outbreak that includes reportedly their quarterback position and according to i think it was bruce feldman who was reporting this on twitter paul chris their coach has yeah. a COVID outbreak so yeah give me a pick and uh i'm i'm looking for it right now for some reason the lines aren't showing up for me on my on my screen well, I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to go back to what cashed for me the past two weeks, and that is, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who all they do is win. And that's all they do against the spread as well. Of course, two weeks ago, I gave you the the over in the Georgia-Alabama game. That hit easily. And last week, I gave you Alabama to cover the 21.5-point spread against Tennessee. 
that one easily. So I'm going back to Alabama again. They're 31 and a half point favorites over Mississippi State this weekend. And you can't put enough points on this game. Give me Alabama. Give me the over four touchdown and one field goal spread that they have. And it's it's going to cash again, guys, I think, because Alabama is averaging 50 points per game, which is absolutely insane. And they played the number three team in the, in the country, in Georgia, and still are able to average 50 points. Last week or two weeks ago, Mississippi State scored two, two points against a worse team than Alabama. This is going to be a huge blowout. In the past three games, Mississippi State has scored 14 points, two points, and 14 points, and they're going up against Alabama, who's averaging 50. So it is not going to be close. Alabama, 31 and a half. Okay. I thought about just now putting a pick on Jets Chiefs because with such a colossal line, I believe it's 19 and a half right now. Yep. With that... That's something everyone's talking about. It's rare to see a spread that that great. But I'm sorry. I got to go back to my well. I've got to look at the Green Bay Packers at home against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Packers are six and a half point favorites. The Vikings are terrible. The Packers appear to have put one bad game against Tampa Bay in their rearview mirror. Killed a flea with a sledgehammer down in Houston, uh, taking out the all navy blue clad Texans. I think they're going to stomp the purple like grapes on Sunday in northeastern Wisconsin. Give me the Packers, even though they're giving six and a half to the Vikings. Yeah, I like that one too, Mace. I think I think that one's <laughs> going to cash for sure. And something that's for sure going to cash is the comment section, which is coming up next for all of those people listening to the podcast. We'll jump into the comments in just a second. For all of you joining us on the live, make sure to go check out the podcast version of this where we will continue to talk about Broncos football today. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this live podcast. If you missed any of the, this podcast, well, check out the podcast of it or go back and re-watch. So thank you guys so much for joining with us. And let's jump into the comment section, Mace. And just like that, the magic of podcasting, we're back, baby. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us into the comment section. And before we go into the comment section, got to tell you about our favorite beer, the official beer of DNVR, and that is the delicious, smooth Breckenridge Brewery. Guys, they just knock every beer out of the park. And my favorite one right now is the Palisade Peach because it just lets me hold on to summer that much longer and they do such a fantastic job with strawberry sky and palisade peach blending those fruits into beers it is so so delicious so make sure to check out some palisade peach breckenridge brewery you can get it at your local grocery store or costco's as well great place to get it you get it big big packets of uh, Breckenridge brew and that's the way I like it as well they've got so many beers for every type of beer person the avalanche beer Colorado pour hot peak strawberry sky vanilla porter junior as basketball season just ended and it's about to pick back up again and guys also check out the farmhouse where they've got awesome social distancing going on they have such an awesome campus out there and delicious food so you can enjoy delicious food delicious beer and delicious views make sure to check out the farmhouse and check out all of breckenridge brewery's delicious beer including the palisade peach yeah i could go for a palisade peach right now actually but uh i can't because i have to drive to practice in a little bit but 
If I do have a little time to kill, I'm going to be reading about rugby. I'm going to be reading about Colorado rugby because, of course, you may have heard us mention there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and now we can tell you all about it because DMVR is covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States. Our reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with a DNVR rugby podcast. And you can find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage of Denver area teams. Of course, Infinity Park in Glendale. It, it is the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That's the national team for rugby, which makes Colorado the place to be for rugby in the United States. You can keep up to speed with all of them on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And of course, you can learn more about the great game of rugby. Check out those Rugby 101 pods that Colton has done over the last few months. Help me learn rugby during the pandemic when there wasn't a lot of other sports going on. And one of the few sports that was being played was was super rugby down in New Zealand. And because of, because of those rugby one-on-one podcasts, I knew exactly what was going on. I learned a lot about it. Check out the DNVR Rugby podcast and follow along on DNVR Rugby on Twitter. All right, Mace. Let's hop into the comment section. First one coming in from Kyan Roningsberg. Sounds familiar. Fellas, I've been a subscriber and listener for over a year. As I followed Mace, hands down, my favorite sports writer for the Broncos. This is my first time commenting. Well, welcome. This isn't a question, just a statement. Over the past year of listening, you guys have easily become my favorite podcast, not just to sports or Broncos, but all around. Whether it's Mace's statistics and her, uh, her historical prowess, Zach's unstoppable positive tone and freezing cold Rogers takes, or RK's measured and somewhat realistic homerism, you guys are my favorite. One thing is clear, though. Ryan needs an arch nemesis to hold him in check. His anti-Nebraska rhetoric has pushed me too far. I've been planning and plotting in my lair and have decided to step into this role. Well, I love what you guys do and will continue to support you guys. I'll be watching you, Ryan, you dirty Buffs fan. <laughs> well, appreciate you chiming in and listening. Thank you. And there's one thing I, I read about that. The fact that you're a Nebraska fan, obviously, I would imagine, Kyan Ronigsberg. Yeah. Isn't it sad that Nebraska and Colorado are stuck in different conferences? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nebraska doesn't have a true rival in the Big Ten. CU doesn't have a real rival in the Pac-12. Just get these two back together. Yeah. This, yeah. this is depressing. Yeah, I wish they would have that game every year, even though they're not <laughs> together. They should. Oh, yeah, they should. And, and, and they should be playing it on the day after Thanksgiving, just like they used to. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. You know, you know, the Pac-12 can work that out because SC plays Notre Dame in normal years, the weekend of Thanksgiving every, you know, every other year when the game is out in LA. So they can, they can pull this off. One other thing, Zach has the positive tone. We all know that. But when it comes to talking about Drew Locke, I think RK was more positive this week than you were, Zach. He was. He was. Yeah. I mean, Mace, the conversation you and I had yesterday mm -hmm. just can't can't be ignored. I mean, mm -hmm. the numbers are bad right now. Yeah, can't. And we'll see. This week's going to be huge for the trade deadline purpose. And also, of course, Drew Locke, Justin Herbert. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's a it's a fork in the road moment. Would someone think of the cash flow? <laughs> OK, people, I really hate the analogy. You can't go broke making a profit. You can. You absolutely can. Profit is an accounting measure and is not reality. Cash is reality. No matter how much revenue you earn, how much profit you make, if you don't convert it into cash, you'll go broke, guaranteed. So good people, please focus on cash. Don't focus on profit. 
Can we amend the analogy to you're unlikely to go broke if you manage your working capital well, provision appropriately, and train all aspects of your business and senior management team to focus on cash? Okay, that's a bit wordy, so maybe let's go with something a bit youthful. You can't go broke banking that cash, yo. What other analogies in football do you hate? Oh, man, I hope that's what Drew Locke is saying. Oh, wow. That is uh, – would someone think of the cash flow? Are you working in the financial services industry? I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what other analogies in football do I hate? Mm. It's a good question. Yeah, it really I mean, is. I, I, hate, I, I hate ideas. I hate concepts. I hate empty backfields, yeah. for example. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I hate certain, I, I hate certain philosophies, but I don't really have an analogy that I hate. I hate coach speak. Can't can't stand coach speak where they just tell you absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's a good thing you weren't covering the team when Drew Lo- when uh not Drew Lock John Fox John oh, Fox was here. Man, he had a lot of coach speak, didn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean he had you know he had the cliches, but uh, some of them had a. Uh, some of them had some fun with him, like when he was talking about Steve Smith in Carolina, and he said, it's not the size of the wand, it's how much magic's in it. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> Manning's forehead chiming in. I think we all, including myself, need to take, take a step back and relax about Drew Locke. Sunday was his first game where the team lost because of him. Last year against the Chiefs, his receivers dropped seven passes, and the run game was ineffective in getting anything going. He has a lot to work on, but... This was his first bad game in eight games. Again, he's in his eighth freaking game. Can't stand the fans on social media calling for a quarterback round one this year after one bad game and eight starts. And he said, okay, I listened to the pod and forget what I said. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I I appreciate the, uh, the, the mea culpa there um, on (laughs) that. I guess, I guess we made our point. Well, Yesterday. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. And and Mace, you and I aren't saying Drew Locke's not the guy. You might as well start Brett Rippin. It's just it's important to understand where he's at right now. And also understand where a guy like Justin Herbert's at, because this isn't 20, 30 years ago where, you know, John Elway was terrible in his first many, many starts and of course turned it around. No, quarterbacks are having instant success, or if not instant, they're having success in their early career nowadays. Yeah, it, you're finding out qu- much more quickly than you ever have whether the quarterback has it or does not. And, I mean, clearly, Vic Fangio's concerned. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, he talked about how, uh, how Drew Locke is, is not getting to his, his second, third, and, and fourth reads. I believe that the, the quote on Monday, as I just want to get the exact quote, he's, he, he – um, he said, Vic Fangio said, sometimes he needs to stay with the progression of going to two or three a little more than he has possibly. The only thing we're doing to try to correct that is continuing to work on that in practice. But think about that. Vic Fangio is saying he's got to get to the second read. Yeah, and after the game, Drew Locke said he needs to do a better job getting to the third and fourth read. And I thought, okay, yeah, that, that's fair. With Vic saying he needs to get to the second read, that is concerning when you're only looking at one and then you're taking off. That is, the alarm bells are sounding right now. And uh, uh, the alarm doesn't mean doom. Right. I right. mean, it's, no, it's, it, it's cause for concern. I think it, there's a, the warning is out there. And uh, it's just a reminder that, hey, 
the rest of the season's about Drew Locke. This, this year is about Drew Locke, but he's got to step it up. This is not good enough. And unfortunately, as we talked about, making the comp from the first two starts to starts three through nine, he is trending in the wrong direction. Right. Sausage Sangaheri chiming in. I have just been released from hospital after punching myself repeatedly in the head into an induced coma during the KC game. It still hurts. Well, glad to hear you back. Y'all talk mm-hmm. about Drew Locke like he is a recovering addict, relapsing into bad habits, regressing. Young fella had better aim up against Herbert in the Chargers or the anti-Drew noise will be deafening. I'm in the patient camp with him, but I need to see Drew the baller, not Drew the crawler. 2020 is going to 2020 all over everyone out. Yeah. That's and it's a good point. And the thing is what you're saying in the comment there, Sasha Sanka, Harry, what we're discussing here on the podcast, if we see it, the coaches see it. And based on what Vic Fangio said uh, Monday, I, clearly they do see, they, they do see all this. Let's they see. know it's not They know it's, they know that things have to be fixed. It's a really, really good point, Mace. And uh, man, Sausage saying, Harry, you nailed it. If there's another bad game and Justin Herbert just outplays him and the Broncos lose, it's going to be tough for Drew Locke the next couple of days after that. Yeah. The, the best thing for Drew Locke might be the fact that there can only be 5,700 fans at, at games because of the pandemic. So right, right. not as many, not as many uh, boos if that's what it comes to negative false positive why did really we release bosby seems like there were plenty of other people who could have survived the wire Locke may yet come around his style is prone to bad games with excellent games we'll see if he can get on the right end of that equation yeah it's there has to be other guys that they could release and that would get through the wire it just i don't think they like something behind the scenes with Devonte bosby going to Vic's comments last year seeing how they cut him uh this year as well and they had to have known that they weren't going to get as lucky getting him back to the practice squad this time, right? I mean, at some point, Devontae was going to say, I've had enough of you guys. I'm going to go sign somewhere else. I mean, right? Yeah. Dare I say that he said, screw this. <laughs> and he said it all the way to Arizona. <laughs> well, no, according to our friend Benjamin Albright uh, of KOA, uh, looks like there were multiple teams interested in him. Mm-hmm. And for their 53 oh so may 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 work out better for, may work out better for him but yeah but there was demand for Devonte bosby yeah on the market so yeah there certainly was yeah our our friend the count count lockhill good to see you again on here my friend yes very good it was shortly after our win over the jets that i fell into a deep depression and relegated myself to the musty bowels of my fortress now awakened by the chance of neighbors that turned out to be the celebratory yawps of a Malik Reed sack of Patty McCombs. I've emerged only to find our beloved footballers maligned and derided by the lying share of the general populace. I therefore will spend the entirety of my waking hours from here on out watching old tape of Tony Jones road grading the crap out of D lines and big O the original big O Franklin pancaking dudes into the bosom of eternity. Is there anything left to fly to towards what droplets of hero blood should i be in search of love the count (laughs) oh welcome back the count you certainly didn't disappoint well i mean you mentioned one guy malik reed he has has given some hope for the broncos for this year and moving forward malik reed bradley chubb getting back to health three straight games with it you know with with a a sack and he looks it looks like he's back on track um 
Shelby Harris played well, although he did have the the the, uh, the the mental mistake there with the penalty at the end. Tim Patrick emerging. I mean, Philip Lindsay balling out before he had the concussion. I mean, there are there are rays of light amidst the gloom. I do like the fact that you said a celebratory yawp. I thought the only kind of yawp was a barbaric yawp. And uh, if you get that, that means you saw um, Dead Poets Society back uh, the 1989 film with Robin Williams playing the teacher. You ever see that movie, Zach? Oh, yes. Watched it pretty much every year in school, which is a fantastic movie. And then you get to watch it in school. That's amazing. Yes. And, uh, and Malik Reed and Bradley Chubb are saying, Carpe quarterbackum, seize the QB. <laughs> they certainly are. <laughs> That's great, Mace. Casper chiming in. Hello, everyone. I've been a listener to the podcast for almost a year now, and have finally took the plunge on becoming a member today. We got them. For my first question, I will go with a general football question. Not sure if any of you have discussed this before, but would it be good or bad if they started giving quarterbacks a stat of EIA, earned interception average, the same way pitchers in baseball shouldn't be punished for another player making a mistake? Why should quarterbacks be punished for putting a ball right on the money uh, on the receivers and the receiver bobbles it and it bounces into the hands of the defense? Thanks to RK, Zach, and Mace for the great insight and honest opinions that make this the best podcast uh, sports sports podcast in the world thank you so much appreciate that and uh with that's a good idea now the metrics of pro football focus and also espn's qbr when they get to their final numbers they do take into account errors on the part of the pass catchers so they do they they do give the quarterback a benefit when there's a drop and if there's a drop for an interception uh the, the same kind of thing now where it gets interesting, of course, is let's talk about Drew Locke's second interception on Sunday. Yeah. It does go off K.J. Hamler's hands, and he basically kind of, with his momentum, sends it toward Tyron Matthew. But the pass was not a good pass. He was yeah. behind K.J. Hamler. So even though it might technically go into the books as a drop because it was off his hands, you can't forgive drew lock for that it's still on him yeah that would be a tough one for this metric to do because you, you're exactly right nice blame is to both of those guys kj should have right. caught it and drew should have thrown a better ball yep exactly both of those things are true nemo three hey guys i'll keep this as brief as possible i'll have myself two full days to simmer down before posting any comments with that said here we go number one Melvin is ass and brings about the same value to our team that Royce brings, only more expensive by about $7 million. Two, Noah clearly wasn't 100% with ankle injuries, having a high chance of ag aggravation. I was wondering what y'all's stance was on when to play a player through injury, when to rest them. It's a fine line, I get it, but Noah is too valuable IMO to chance re-injury. Three, Chubb played very well, but two of his QB pressures, one of which was a sack. Casey just straight up didn't block him, giving him free reign, LOL. Four, Guys, I honestly haven't seen much value out of KJ this year. It's a sticky subject because it usually takes rookie receivers time. So I reserve the right to change my stance on this. But in my opinion, I think Broncos brass fell in love with the idea of having a speedy deep threat in KJ Handler as opposed to falling in love with the prospect himself. I only say this because of the draft position KJ was drafted in and thus what alternative prospects were still on the board at that time. Thoughts, comments, opinions. 
Well, hey, I think you make some good points here. Uh, with Noah Fant, yeah, I mean, how close was Noah to 100? We know he wasn't 100%. Vic Fangio said it after the game. But that is something that's interesting uh, because if he's not close to 100 at all, then it's not worth playing him. I agree with you there. Uh, it, Mace, I was blown away with how many times Bradley Chubb was just unblocked and that seemed like their scheme. That blew me away. He had a good game still, but I was shocked. I was flabbergasted at that. Now, I mean, you know, sometimes they were kind of make moving the play away from him. So maybe part of it was part part of it was wanting to maybe run away from him and have that set up with some pass plays. It also kind of looked similar as they began to try to uh, to try to kind of get him to play on his heels a little bit. But it wasn't a great strategy. I I don't think you're going to see the Chiefs repeat that. No, I agree. And the last one about K.J. Hamler, Mace. This is uh, – it's hard to disagree with right now because K.J. just hasn't produced much. Obviously, he's been hurt as well. Uh, you do have to give rookie receivers uh, a long time. We've been a little bit spoiled here because uh, Cortland Sutton had a very good rookie season, but that is not typical. K- rookie receivers can be good, but it, they're not guaranteed to be good. So still in wait-and-see mode. But, yeah, I mean, they may have just been uh, so excited to get some speed out there. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, he's he's definitely got the speed. But remember, he didn't run the combine at the 40 because of a hamstring injury. Right. And what has been the bugaboo this year? The hammies. Two different or, hammies. So that means this year, three different hamstring injuries. Yeah, and that's a concern. If K.J. Hamler had been healthy and had run the, the 40 at the combine, I do believe he would have been a first-round pick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so too because he would have put up a blaring number. Perhaps ahead of Jalen Rager, for example. Yes, yeah, I can definitely see that as well. So, uh, anyway, good comment, though. Appreciate you chiming in, Nemo. And also, also more from Nemo3. <laughs> QB comment here. One, any chance you guys see New York, the New York Jets dealing or cutting Sam Darnold and subsequently picking him up? We all know he was the only quarterback John Elway had his eyes on in that draft. If so, what does that scenario look like for both True Luck and for true lock i assume you mean drew lock and that's a typo (laughs) and sam darnold um i think that this is a possibility i don't think it's by the jets cutting him mace i think the broncos would have to trade for him and if drew lock is not the guy this year then i could definitely see a scenario where the broncos try to get sam darnold in here yeah and i think also that depends on what the jets decide to do uh if they're picking at the top of the draft does Trevor Lawrence even want to be a New York Jet? I think it's fair to speculate on, on that right now. And uh, then if, if that's the case, are you talking about Justin Fields? So I, I could definitely see the Jets trading Sam Darnold in the offseason. And yes, if they don't get the answer they want to see on Drew Locke, I'm sure the Broncos will be in the market. Although what is interesting, Zach, to go back to what we were talking about yesterday, what the quarterbacks do in starts three through nine, after those first couple of games when there's film on him, Drew Locke has a better passer rating and starts three through nine than Sam Darnold did. And I made this point yesterday, and the counter was, oh, well, he was playing for Adam Gase. No, no, no. Starts three through nine for Sam Darnold came with Todd Bowles as the head coach. Mm, that's very fascinating, Nace. That's a really good point. So, two, in evaluating Pat Shermer, what's to be said of Drew Locke's performance thus far in contrast to Daniel Jones' performance in year one under Shermer? Can you safely extrapolate who's the, who the better quarterback is? 
please say no, LOL. <laughs> I mean, if you're just comparing what Daniel Jones did under Pat Shermer last year and what Drew's Locke's done under Pat Shermer this year, you 100% unequivocally have to say Daniel Jones has done better. Yeah, even with the fumbles. Yeah, that's true. He did have those. Yeah. Number three, how normal is it for a newbie QB of Drew Locke's stature to straight up telegraph all his throws and read strictly one side of the field the majority of the time? I know reading the full field takes time, and even some of the better quarterbacks don't always do it, but I'm trying to gauge where Drew is in his development when it comes to this imperative trait for a QB. I mean, this is kind of a, a tale as old as time for a, a, lot of, a lot of young quarterbacks. I mean, and it's not – and you could be a cerebral quarterback, like, say, Trevor Simeon, but Trevor locked in on guys. Right. I, I, and this is old school, but sometimes when I see Drew – Staring down a receiver, I have a bad flashback to being 12 years old and watching Vinny Testaverde with the Bucks <laughs> in his first year as a starter, second year in the league, and that's what he did. He he just stared down where he was throwing. You you knew exactly where he was going with the ball every time, and that's easy for a defense oh. to take advantage of. Yeah, and and he had a world of arm talent, but. Uh, it took him a long time to be rid of that habit. I would really, he didn't completely cure himself of that habit for several years. He had to get to Cleveland under Bill Belichick before he really fixed that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So number four, RK, you are usually the glimmer of sunlight that seeps through the shades and gives us hope when we as fans are in the pessimistic place in which we currently find ourselves. I am by no means ready to throw the talent on Drew Locke. However, how much slack are you going to give this guy? And at what point do you say he's not the guy? Talk me off the legs here, LOL. Mason, Zach, elucidated some alarming QB metrics last pod. Well, I would say ask that question for tomorrow's pod when hopefully RK is back in the saddle with us and, and he'll give you his answer. I think you kind of have our answer. Exactly. Chilongo Bronco. Hey guys, imagine you work at DraftKings and are assigned to give the following odds and percentages on who of the following is the Broncos quarterback in 2021. Also, who gets you more excited? All right, we have four options here, Mace. Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, and Justin Fields. Much love, Jalongo Bronco. Wow. Okay. Um, Man. You'd have to say, look, Drew Locke is the favorite here. Okay? Yes, I agree. Him, him developing, him figuring things out to where they give him another year, uh, that's the favorite. I would say probably, mm, uh, you'd say probably more than 50%. Wouldn't you say like a, like a five to seven odds perhaps? Yeah, I agree Something with that. like that. Okay. And then of those three, I'd say Sam Darnold is the most likely. Okay. Followed by Matt Ryan and Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm going to just flip Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold, but Mesa, I'm right there with you. The one thing about Matt Ryan and and that I have skepticism about is Atlanta – you, you, they've had a lot of close losses this year, and they've had, and for example, against Detroit on Sunday, a, a loss that was completely of their own doing because because Todd Gurley could not hit the deck before falling in falling over the plane of the goal line for the score. So, Atlanta's a team that playing they're clearly playing better with Raheem Morris as head coach than they were with Dan Quinn. 
but they lost the Atlanta team getting some surprise wins in the second half here and doing enough to where they're five and 11, six and 10, and then their best, they figure out that their best play is maybe just to keep to ride Matt Ryan and see if they can't build a team around him one more time. They've already done it twice. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening, too. I, I don't think it's a sure thing that Matt Ryan's gone. I think it's a good point to make, Mace, for sure. The one that gets me most excited outside of Drew Locke is definitely Justin Fields, just because there's so much unknown and potential with him. Yeah, I agree. And I, if it were coming down to it, if it's not Drew Locke and you could give me any of those three, I'm going Justin Fields. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I want young. I, I, and I, I want a quarterback – who is going in the direction the sport is going. Yeah. And that and Justin Fields kind of fits that template. Yep, exactly. Ryan Clayman checking in. Hey, DNBR family. Sorry I haven't posted in a while. Content has been great. I felt like every question I had, you guys answered. So thank you. Well, thank you, Ryan, for chiming mm-hmm. in. I yeah. do have a quick question. I know you are busy. I want to wait until the season is over to make my decision on Drew, if he is the guy or not. So with that said, what should we be looking for? looking at to say if he is the answer for us thank you and stay awesome my friends rc soldier in the dnv army okay i great mean question it's a great question because the eye test is involved with this as well uh so you know if he's a franchise quarterback it's going to be obvious you're going to see it you're going to know but if we're also talking about certain numbers well let's start with completion percentage Right now, he's sitting at 55.9 for his completion percentage for, the, for this season. Not good. And in his last six starts, starts you know, from, you know, or par- pardon me, his, his last six starts, he's, no, he's, he's just a little bit below 60%. I thought I had it in front of me, but I didn't. It must be on another file. I was looking. I have, I have like, I have like, 10 Excel files in front of me right now. Okay. Oh, my bad. Okay. Here. Now I have it since his third start, his third start onwards, his completion percentage is 57.6. His touchdown interception ratio is three to five. These things have to improve. He's the completion percentage needs to be at least 63, 64%. And by the way, if he had an average drop rate, it wouldn't make up for that. He'd still be below 60%, which is that baseline threshold you, you have to see. So start there. He's got he's to get to where he's completing 63% of, 63% of his passes at minimum 60. That's the floor. What yeah. he's doing right now isn't good enough. I agree. I, I totally agree. RC, I think the numbers and the, the eye test will be key, and mm-hmm. I think we will know after this year. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll, we'll have it, and, and we'll have an idea. Dan Burke, hey, guys, assuming the Broncos move on from Drew and acquire a veteran QB next year, do you all think that they should, the Broncos should follow a 2019 Bucks trajectory? I remember in 2019, the Bucks seemed like a below-average team, even though the defense was playing much better. And the numbers indicated they were held back by a QB that was making too many mistakes and putting the defense in bad situations. Suddenly, they had a veteran QB to capitalize on all the skill position talent and take pressure off the defense, and they immediately catapult themselves into the Super Bowl conversation. Thoughts? Mace, you're excited about this. We get to talk about how good your bucks are right now. <laughs> the th- thing is, I- I'll admit I underestimated TB12 and what he could do at age 43. You were more right on on, on this, Zach. Oh, 
I think it, it doesn't understand me. That's interesting. I think, uh, I think my, my watch just tried to chime in there. Sorry, Mace. <laughs> yeah, the, the watch didn't – your Siri did not like my Tom Brady take going into the season. I'll take the L. I will happily take the L on that. But that being said, if you are talking about a quarterback like that, you're basically talking about Stafford or Matt Ryan. And what's interesting is even though Stafford is somebody who you can argue he's the, the 21st century Archie Manning, a very good quarterback that hasn't been surrounded by much, Matt Ryan would seem the one who could be more likely to pull that sort of thing off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Dan, I think this is the ceiling for the Broncos. And this is where John Elway would hope it would go if he does indeed have to get a veteran quarterback. And you can look at it. The draft pieces are, are there for this Broncos offense to take off with the quarterback that, uh, that that's going to be very good. And the defense is there. Now, how good would Matt Ryan play? Would he be playing at a Tom Brady-like level like Tom's playing this year? Then, yeah, I really think this could. Does K.J. Hamler take off? Does Jerry Judy develop? We know Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are good. Uh, but but how, how, does, how do these offensive pieces progress? But that's the ceiling for sure. Yeah, and, and that's the thing you have to consider here with it, that if it's not Drew Locke, that quarterback's going to have a ton of weapons. And, yep. and that's where it becomes essential to have a guy who gets to progression two, three, four. Because one of the ways this offense can work if it's flourishing is that the quarterback goes through his progressions and takes take what's there. I mean, if you have even what you've got this year, okay, and, and you, th- you can add Cortland Sutton to that next year. But Tim Patrick's playing well. Jerry Judy uh, has a lot of potential. Noah Fant, Albert O, and then Phil, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay out of the backfield, okay? You go through your progressions, somebody is open. And, oh, by the way, all of those guys are capable of making game-breaking plays. So you just got to take what's there, but you've got to be able to go through the progressions to do it. But, if you, but someone is almost always going to be open and have a favorable matchup if you can get to the third, fourth read in that progression yep exactly you you hit it on the head mace before we go any further got to tell you guys about my favorite golf game wgt golf it's been my favorite app for decade now and it's now the official gaming partner of dnvr and wgt is not only a favorite in the dnvr community it's the most popular golf game in the world and we want you guys to play with us so how do you play with us uh, on, on the most fun golf app out there well you go to dnvrgolf.com to download the free WGT app. Go to dnvrgolf.com because that just lets WGT know that you want to play with us. Once you've downloaded it, go to the clubhouse section in the app and search for DNVR3. That's DNVR in all capitals and the number three next to it to join our series of clubhouses, which will get, a, get you exclusive access to all of the tournaments that we have every week, including some majors with some big time prizes. And we want you guys to play with us. So get in there. Go to DNVR3 in the clubhouse section. And what I love about the app is it's so realistic and you get to play real places, which is key for me playing games. So I love playing at St. Andrews and Pebble Beach. So make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. And you're just hanging out the house. You're playing WGT Golf, but you need to get a good start to your day. What better way to do that with, than with Strava Craft Coffee, rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for a Keurig, but also 
Get it in whole bean or ground form. If you go online, you can purchase it and use that magical code, as Zach would say, DNVR20, and get 20% off your order at Strava Craft Coffee. Tag them. Let us know when you make your purchase because, hey, supporting us, supporting them is supporting us as well, and they appreciate knowing that, and so do we. That, that CBD-infused coffee, look, if you need the benefits of, of, of cannabis but you don't want the psychotropic effects, CBD is the way to go. I've got some CBD balm that I use uh, for occasional aches and pains, the kind of things that happen when you start getting on the other side of 40. And so CBD is something that can help you out wherever, wherever you are. If you're in Denver, try it at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Mar Market. But if you're, any, if you're anywhere, go to Strava Craft Coffee and use that magical code DMVR20 and get 20% off your purchase. Next one coming in from Swede. Just out of curiosity, in the two games the Broncos have scored over 20, what was the difference in play calling and formations? What did they do in those two games that isn't happening now? Well, I don't think there was a difference in play calling. And if anything, in formations, for example, they did more two tight end sets against the Jets than they had in the previous games. But uh, the play calling and formations in week two, it was about the same as it had been. Maybe one thing to consider, Zach, is that you had Brett Rippon making his first NFL start in the Jets game on a short week, Thursday night football, not a lot of prep time, no film. And then in the Steelers game, Jeff Driscoll was, that, was thrust into the lineup, and the Steelers didn't have film on him as a Bronco QB, and they weren't prepared. Yeah, they, and, and I think that's a nice way to put it because the way that I was thinking about it was just straight up the quarterback situation was different in both of those games. Drew Locke did not play the majority of either of those games. I'm not saying it is all on him, but that is something that you just can't ignore. And it's, it's crazy to say I never thought I'd be saying something like that, but uh, Drew Locke was not the quarterback in those games for the most of them. Unfortunately, I mean, it's something that you've noted. Drew Locke's last four starts, uh, the Bronco, going back to last year, the Broncos have put up, what, 16, 14, 18 and 16 the the start the play the games that he started and finished so we're throwing the Pittsburgh game out so yep can't deny that I mean that's that's a concern yeah literally averaging 16 points in those games Mace yep exactly the Danimal listening to everyone's comments on the pod yesterday I think DMVR could use something to lighten the mood a bit so here I am, not the hero we want, but the hero we deserve with a fun game of bad news, good news. Bad news first, my job screwed up my retirement plan, so instead of spending Denver, or December, pardon me, on a beach in Mexico, I'll be in North Carolina. It's hardly oh, no. the worst place in the world to be, man. <laughs> good news, I'll be in town for the Panthers game, so I'm extending this offer to all of our family. I spend my weekends here working at a drop zone just outside of Charlotte as a skydiving instructor. So if anyone in the DNVR family is in town and wants to make a tandem skydive the weekend of the game, hit me up and I'll do the jump without pay and have the drop zone take that amount of the off the price of your jump. Except for Zach, Mason, RK, you guys are on the house when you come jump with me, which is also non-negotiable. Here's my email. Hit me up and please put DNVR in the subject line so I don't accidentally delete it. It's not G it's not underscore GQ at yahoo.com. That's N O T underscore GQ at yahoo.com. See you kids in the sky. Danimal. 
Oh my gosh, this is way too cool, Danimal. So, so cool. I'll definitely let you know when I'm in North Carolina next time. Uh, I think Mace will be the one attending those games for us this year. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know that I have the courage to go skydiving. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, if I can do that. And my handy-dandy excuse is going to be that I'm probably actually not even flying into Charlotte. I think I'm flying into Raleigh because I've got a lot of extended family up there that I need to actually say a socially distanced hello to. <laughs> so my, I might not have the time, but I'll admit skydiving is one of those things that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I wonder how many jumps the Danimal's done. I mean, being an instructor, probably <laughs> hundreds, right? Maybe thousand? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Next one coming in from Broncos only. To, e to each host present, what is your personal estimate of the percent chance that Drew Locke eventually improves enough to become a franchise quarterback for the Broncos? Thanks for the awesome coverage. Broncos only. Uh, I'm, no one's going to like what I have to say. <laughs> oh, man. I think I know where I'm at, but I want to hear you first. What, what, what's the bad news, Mace? 40%. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll deliver a little bit of good news. I was going to go 50%. So, I mean, we're, we're both very close there. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers of quarterbacks in the last decade in starts three through nine, which is a uh, part of kind of what gives me uh, some alarms about, uh, about Drew Locke and the five quarterbacks above him are in terms of passer rating are Tim Tebow, Colt McCoy, Blake Bortles, Kyle Allen, and Brandon Whedon. And the five quarterbacks below him are Christian Ponder, E.J. Manuel, Jared Goff, Josh Rosen, and John Skelton. And then you go a little further down, you get to Josh Allen. The point being, unfortunately, Drew Locke is in the realm where if he succeeds, if he, go, if he proves to be a franchise quarterback, he's the exception. He's in the minority of quarterbacks that are in this – in this realm of production in starts three through nine. That's why I'm saying 40%. I think I'm, just you're, I'm just playing the odds here. I think you're very fair for saying that, Mace. World of Suck says, <clears throat> excuse me, looks like Vance Joseph had some success running a version of the NASCAR package against Seattle. That's what they were doing when they got the Isaiah Simmons interception. They were putting seven defenders on the line, showing blitz, and at the snap, the three defenders in the middle drop back as inside linebackers, and the two outside guys on the either side rush the passer leaving the offensive tackles outmanned and the interior linemen confused and without a man to block. That's creative. Genius stuff, and it worked to beat Russ. Good for VJ. Maybe he'll get another chance and do better as a head coach when he's got a little bit more experience in the league. It's really weird to say this considering they gave up 34 points, but VJ called a great game. He especially called a great second half in OT. Yep, exactly. Seven points allowed in the second half in overtime to a Russ Wilson-led offense. Yeah, wow. Russ, Russ did not look good. He looked very uncomfortable at the end of the game. Yeah. Ky Kyler Murray was the MVP for the Cardinals, but you'd have to be, make a, a co-MVP trophy for Vijay really in that true. game. Really yeah, true. he did a great job. T. Woods, 16. Hey, guys, I know the offense hasn't been great, but I feel like our expectations are too high. In week one, we had no Sutton or Hamler, and then Lindsey gets hurt. Week two, Sutton comes back, then is out for the season. We lose Locke. Then week six, Locke is back with no Gordon or Fant. Then on Sunday, Fant's playing hurt, and we lose Phil. With no OTAs, minicamp, preseason, all the different lineups for injuries, how can we expect this team to get into a good rhythm? 
why can't we start the game getting some short throws to get Locke starting four or four for 24 yards or something? I remember in the Manning-Sanders days, we do a quick slant and boom, eight yards. Can't we do that for Judy and get him five to eight targets a game? I am truly a Locke believer. Can't believe people want to give up, and, um, give up on him already. He's no Paxton. Thanks again. My boys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think you make some great points. And Mace, I would start off the game by just getting, getting Drew Locke clicking. Easy things, short passes, j- just get his confidence up. Yeah. Slant, a slant to Judy, a quick out to Fant, uh, a, a, sh- a, a short toss to Albert O with whom Easy. he has timing. Uh, do those things. Let him get, let him get his feet under him. And that, that gives him, that gives him a shot. And yep. uh, that being said, I, I get the, the injuries as a reason as to, as T would say at the start of the comment, but this team, it, it's not even average. And you have a, and a lot of teams are battling injuries right now, Zach, and this offense, it's, you know, it can't get to, you know, it can't get to league average. 23.6 points per game is the league average. And the Broncos have come in below that in five of six games. The only time they got there was against the Jets. I mean, they got to do better than this. They, they can't keep muddling in the teens. Yeah, they, yeah I completely, okay. completely agree, Mace. The other Ryan says, my boys, I hate to pile on the Melvin Gordon rant train, but every time he makes a mistake on or off the field, all I can think of is the Simpsons spoof of Alvin and the Chipmunks and Melvin and the Squirrels, where the character Aiken to Dave yells, Melvin! How does he yell at Mace? Do you know? Well, yeah, he, he yells, Melvin! <laughs> kind of like Alvin in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Of course, oh, right. Melvin and the Squirrels, part of the rodent invasion of the early 1960s. <laughs> he goes on and says, when Vic Fangio says, as a team, we need to fix our entire passing game, what do you think will be the measures actually implemented by the coaching staff to do so? Will we see more pop passes, screens, slants, swings, quick outs, wheel routes, etc.? It's not like Pat Shermer hasn't called these types of plays in previous stops. Additionally, many Broncos receivers are getting open. Locke just needs to find them, and his receivers need to call to come down with catchable passes, as has been discussed. Have a wonderful Wednesday. DNV Army salute. I think you just hit the nail on the head. The receivers are getting open. Somebody is getting open most plays. Drew Locke's just got to get him the ball. Bingo. Get past your first read. Yep. Broncoholic 7-Eleven. Hey, guys. We posting today because I was too slow for yesterday's pod. So to clarify, do you think we could get Frank Gorf, Melvin Gordon, if we trade into the Jets? If so, do it already. Better veteran mentor for Royce and makes Glinzy the clear number one. I, I, I don't know why the Jets would do that, but okay. <laughs> I agree, Drew Locke is pressing, but how can he not with his running back basically playing as a double agent? Is Melvin left-handed? I know Lindsay is. Melvin pitched that flea flicker back to Locke with his left hand. <laughs> think Gordon should be inactive on Sunday or at the very least to send the team a message? Also, Elway needs to call him out like he did for Bowles last year. Quote, it has to stop, unquote. Send the message, this won't be tolerated. Other way you can do that is to fire the special teams coordinator, do it to send the clear message and see how we do. What do we have to lose at this point? I mean, it's a good question, but you're still in it. I mean, you could still get back to 500 fairly easily. Uh, Mace, Melvin Gordon will not be inactive on Sunday. No, no, he's going to play. Especially with Philip Lindsay being questionable. 100%. Next one. Oh, sorry, Mace. I'll let, I'll let you get it. Okay. Thick Fangio. So for context regarding my comment the other day concerning Notre Dame, what the draft pod guys said was just that Pitt would win. All of them agreed after a 45, three win, I had to say something and I couldn't find the draft pod anywhere on the app for website, which is how my comment wound up here, man. 
they thought Pitt would win. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not a Notre Dame guy, but I don't think yeah. I even would have chose that. And now Notre Dame, I get it. They've been they've had some scattershot performances, but uh, yeah, their ceiling's pretty high, higher than that of Pitt. So, anyways, even as a Notre Dame fan, I agree they are overrated. And Ian Book has a ceiling of Brock Osweiler, a solid backup. But yeah, none of that is Broncos related. So I just wanted to say I think we learned about Drew versus Atlanta and Miami. Anything can happen in division games. While winning division games is important, I think we see where Locke stands in non-division games against equally average teams. That is all. Stay thick. Great point. Great point. The next couple of weeks, we've, we will learn a lot, hopefully, about Drew. Yep. And Bled? finally, is this the last one? I believe it is. Okay, you take it, Mace. Bled orange and blue since 82. Every week, I feel like an FBI negotiator trying to talk Broncos country off the ledge, singing in a 90s rock voice. Step down from that ledge, my friend. We will get it right. The Broncos will win again. If the Broncos go and win the next two games, end up four and four, what are the odds this Broncos team makes the playoffs? Mm, they'll have momentum on their side. And then I'm saying that they can beat those average teams, Mace. And then they'll have a, they'll have a chance and they'll be in it. Uh, man, that'll be a great conversation to have in just two weeks from now, Mace. Yeah, and uh, if if they win these two games, let's say Miami all goes one and one in the next two and is four and four. Okay. If they win these next two games, we are actually talking about that that couplet against the Raiders and then the Dolphins as the two games that could determine whether it's a playoff team or not. Incredible, incredible. So less than a month. We could be talking about a legitimate playoff team. Yeah. Now, it's basically going to be for, uh, for the seventh seed in all likelihood. And right now, by the way, I mean, three and three gets you that seventh seed. That's where Miami sits. That's where the Raiders sit right now. I'd be shocked if Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis aren't the first three wildcard teams. Effectively, all battle- these other teams are battling for one spot. But there's a possibility. Yeah, there, there's a possibility, man. So much could change in the next two weeks. The Broncos could trade multiple key players, or they could be in 500, pretty much in the seventh playoff spot. I can't wait to continue to break this down with you, Mason. Before we get out of here, got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area and the extreme Colorado sports fans like us. There's no better place to go than them because they treat you like family. Our director of sales, Lindsay, had, had some work done on her teeth a couple of months ago. And the dentist called her a few days later to follow up with her directly. I mean, come on, that is the best family-like care you can get out there. So make sure to check them out. And also, schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do so. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush for you. So schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush over at Green Mountain Dental. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today. I can't wait to continue to break down Drew Locke versus Justin Herbert, Broncos, Chargers, and see if the Broncos can get their season right back on track with you. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.